You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And Wayne, I have to say for the last week or so, I haven't been that diligent when it comes to looking at news and analysing things and reading articles, which I should be, because it's the end of summer in the Northern Hemisphere and people are drifting away back to their desks in the next 10 days or so. And everyone's got this sort of feeling of, oh, well, that was a nice break, but back to the grind later on, then I suddenly look and I see the following. Motus, Aspen, Caxton, Grindrod Shipping, Blue Label, Harmony, Stadio, Bidcorp and Woolies all coming out with announcements today. And I think Wayne's probably very busy looking at these results. Yeah, so, yeah, very much so. Okay, you can't obviously do them yeah. all. Aspen was a very interesting one. They've done a deal with Eli Lilly or Lilly and they've also come out with results. And market participants hated these results. Yes, very much so. Look, they're, they're, when, when you analyze the results and look at them, I think there's two aspects to be aware of with, uh, with Aspen. Yes. You know, Aspen, uh, it's a little bit of a harsh statement, but Aspen probably disappoints more than the average company. Okay. Does it over-promise yeah, and under-deliver? Aspen, Aspen, Aspen no, I, I used to do a detailed analysis of Aspen a couple of years ago when they still had that, uh, baby food business in China, and that's before the debt sort of caught them. Yes, you know, with all the big companies and that. And every year there was always a promise: next year it's coming right. You know, so Aspen does a little bit of overpromise and sometimes underdeliver. Mm. The second point to make is that you know the PE ratio is fourteen. You know, it's not so high, but a fourteen price earnings ratio expects earnings to go up, probably not by much. You know, five ten percent earnings growth. Their earnings were actually down eight uh, percent, and I think that's what disappointed the market. You know, lots of companies take the banks for example. The banks are eight price earnings ratio. Yes. So they at a fifty percent fifty percent discount to Aspen, and their earnings are going. The worst one is going up eight percent. So that's the second reason why. I think it was slammed. So what would be your attitude towards uh, these results, the the way that the market participants have reacted to these results? Would you say, actually, this is is something to have a look at? No, Um, I've I've never been too keen on Aspen. Hmm. I wouldn't buy it now, even after the fall that it's had today. I would be, I wouldn't even buy it now. I would be a little bit cautious. Go single, it falls another 30% and go single digit price earnings ratio then I would consider it. All right. But no, I would, I, would still, I would still back down on that. Good. Okay, that's Aspen out the way. I'm, I'm just looking at the price movements now, and they're yeah. the other ones I'm going to pick. And if you don't want to talk about that, it's your prerogative. But Otis down around about 5% after their numbers. And the one that's maybe surprised on the upside is probably a company that you know quite well, Bidcorp. Up around about 7% yes. as we speak. Fantastic results. Really good numbers, I weren't mean, they? Corp was, it was exceptionally good numbers. Better than what I think, well, it's clearly better than what the market was anticipating. So the Bitcorp numbers were really, really good. And, and, and of course, now, when we do this now, talk about this in relation to uh, Aspen. Now, Bitcorp's got a 21-22 price earnings ratio, 
and their earnings are up 35%. So, I mean, and I know it is such a blunt instrument. It's such a massive rule of thumb. But what I've always believed in is that if you've got a anything above it, because now, first of all, anything below a 10 PE ratio, there could be many, many things going on within the company as to why they're so low. They're at the peak of earnings. It's a bad company. It's a bad business model. But sort of anything above a 10 price earnings ratio, to me, should equate to what the earnings increase the market is expecting. So if you've got a 14 PE like Aspen, the market's expecting more or less a 14, you know, 10, 14% earnings growth. Now, Bitcorp's got a 21, 22 price earnings ratio. So the market's expecting 20% plus earnings growth. They came up with 35. That's why the share's up 7%. Was that over delivered on market expectations? Hmm. So that was a very, very good set of results. Okay, and just to clarify, is and this you know, the dividends also up thirty? Dividends also up thirty four percent. So that you know that indicates that they not only making profits, that they're making cash as well. Yeah, and is this one that you own was, or will be owning? No, we own it. We definitely own it. Good. Okay. Yeah, and Bitvest and Bitcorp, they are exceptionally good companies. They are truly blue chips. They continue to deliver, don't they? Anything with a bid in front of it, yes. whether it be Bitvest or Bitcorp, obviously they have differing profiles these days after the split. But you can't say that you can't go wrong with them. But no, really, no, any, any they're, they're high quality. Wrong, but yeah. Yes, they certainly are very high quality. So we're in results season now in South Africa. Yeah. Otherwise, the markets have been driven by things like uh, you know, Jackson Hole in interest rates and inflation overseas, as well as a little bit in South Africa as well. But now we're back to the nitty gritty and we're back to SA Inc., essentially. Yeah. And some of the companies that we've just spoken about are purely SA yeah. Inc. Yeah, but there's, there's others. But anyway, what is your feeling? Are you still optimistic, Wayne, when it comes to local stocks? Yes, they're optimistic, not because I'm that optimistic about the future. I mean, I think the future will be better than the past, but I always think that essentially, you know, if you're going through tough times, because I think the RAND will strengthen and interest rates will come down, but exactly what we've been discussing on numerous occasions. Yes. But I'm, I'm keen on the shares and positive on the shares simply because of their valuations. The valuations are low. I mean, let's take, let's take, the, let's take a few big shares now, and these are all the shares that are up on, up on the day. And I'm only obviously talking about South African shares, yeah. Yes. So uh, pick and pay, up three percent. You know, this is a thirteen price earnings ratio. That's not, that's not onerous at all. I mean, let's pick a couple of other. I'm just looking here for a few South Af other South African shares. Okay. I mean, Woolies' their results came out today, very much as anticipated. Now that shares down slightly, but it's a good indicator. Now, that's a 15 price earnings ratio. Um, other South African shares, I'm just trying to find a few. Cap more. is one. Well, look, cap, cap is a funny, I've never been a great cap uh, person. You know, it was put together by all the sort of leftover South African assets. But I mean, you know, when you look at it, it's a four price earnings ratio. So there's not exactly any great expectations <laughs> built into the, 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 the share price. But I've never been a big cap fan. Now, just looking at the, you know, whenever you look at a company and you see continued and discontinued operations and 
restated prior years and all of these things, you start to worry a little bit about it. But I mean, as come, to come back to our conversation and off cap, there are a good few South African companies that aren't bad companies that are at very low price earnings ratios simply because of, I suppose you can say, the external, the South African environment that they operate in. You've got to be a stock picker when it comes to purely South African stocks. That's sort of what you're saying. And when you look at the the moves here, Motus, Aspen going one way, Blue Label, Bidcorp going in the other way, Woolies down a couple of percent. But, you know, so you've got to be selective. You can't just buy across the board when it comes to locally focused stocks. Yeah, and I mean, locally focused stocks, are never going to be a big part of your portfolio. They just simply don't, number one, don't carry the market cap. These are, in the biggest scheme of things, these are essentially small companies. Yes. Now, there I'm comparing it against Richmond's and and um, Naspers and Process and SA Breweries and then all the other big global companies which we can also buy. So, I mean, you're never going to have, of your equity, I doubt if you'll ever have more than 15 or 20% of your equity, South African portfolios, in purely South African stocks. They are essentially small stocks. But if you catch it right, and at the right time of the cycle, you can make a half-decent return on them. And then you'll either sell out or drop your weightings. Yeah. And the time to make a return is when inflation, the time to buy the Look, essentially, South African shares are consumer-facing shares. You know, there's no real big industrial shares. There's no, you know, they're just not around on our stock market. So they're all consumer-facing shares. So the time to buy them is when interest rates are high and the consumer's facing pressure. So that's the time you buy them because that's the time they're cheap. And that's obviously exactly where we are now. Yeah. But as you said, they're not going to be a massive part of your portfolio because of the lack of liquidity, first of all, on the JSC, and also yeah. the relatively minuscule market capitalization compared to the overseas stocks, Wayne. I've got to ask you a meaty question now. And I asked uh, somebody from London the, the same question. It suddenly occurred to me. Would you prefer internationally and locally stubborn inflation? In other words, inflation at higher levels because that means that there's you know, wages are going up and people are spending money and there's demand in the economy. That's the first scenario. Or would you prefer a mild turndown stroke recession? Because that means the froth is being taken off inflation and therefore interest rates will start to come down. Yeah. Which would you prefer, Wayne McCurry? Look, ultimately, ultimately, uh, the capitalistic world as we know it now runs on on debt. So ultimately, governments, everything, it's a debt-based system. So higher interest rates in a debt-based system is never good news for the for the economy. Yes. And if inflation is high, ultimately, interest rates are high as well. So higher inflation ultimately cannot be good for the economy as long as interest rates keep pace with inflation. Because exactly the same, deflation is absolutely slaughtered because interest rates, even if they go to zero, you know, your debt never deflates, but your income and your assets deflate in a deflationary environment. But in a high inflationary environment, if you assume that interest rates keep pace with inflation, whatever wage increases, et cetera, people are getting is going to be consumed by the cost of debt. And of course, you can't take out more debt. 
So you want essentially exactly what every central banker wants and what every single central banker aims for is low inflation in a low trading band, in a controlled trading band. Because prices, I suppose the system is just geared for prices going up at moderate rates and income going up at moderate rates and some sort of moderate real interest rate pattern, interest rates slightly higher than inflation. That seems to be what suits the capitalistic system the best. Okay. There's a fine balance between the two. I know that some people are saying that the Fed actually wants there to be a recession so that inflation will come down because they do yes, project that's that it's going to stay high. Down. Yeah, exactly. That's how you get inflation down, is that you just... You kill demand with the recession. You engineer a recession, exactly right. Okay, well, that's something that will pan out over the next few months. And I mean, the only, you must remember, the only tool that central bankers have in their briefcase when they go to work is interest rates. Yes. And it is an extremely blunt tool because probably the biggest question I get asked when I go touring the country and giving presentations and all of that stuff is why are South African interest rates going up? When the reason, because interest rates are going up because inflation is going up, so therefore the Reserve Bank is increasing interest rates to kill inflation. But yet our inflation comes from ESCOM that's not affected by interest rates, the oil price that's not affected by interest rates, rates and taxes and et cetera, et cetera. So in other words, we've got inflation in South Africa from items that aren't affected by increasing interest rates. And they say, well, therefore, why are we increasing interest rates? It's not going to have an effect on the things that are causing inflation. So I always got to explain this to them and say that you increase interest rates for two reasons. One is particularly in South Africa to protect the value of the RAND. Right. Because if the RAND collapses, inflation goes up full stop. Because you okay? import it. That's the yes. first point. But the second point is, because interest rates and the Reserve Bank have got no influence on the inflation, on the items where inflation is going up, they have got to squeeze the items, even if it means squeezing it into a recession, they've got to squeeze the demand that is affected by interest rates. That's the same as saying if you've got 100 rand a month to spend and you spend 50 on rent and 50 on food, if your rent goes to 55, you still only got 100 you've got to squash the, the other 50 you spent on spend on food down to 45 so that you still balance the numbers. In other words, you still keep inflation under control. Yeah, understood. In the Macquarie household, to have 5% less on food, or actually in this case 10% less to spend on food, is an unacceptable... No, that that, that, that can't would happen. be a catastrophic... That would be a catastrophic situation. But very, very lucky enough and very fortunate enough in our household, we're not squeezed by debt. So when no. interest rates go up, it doesn't it doesn't squeeze it doesn't squeeze us because I mean obviously we have got some gearing, but we've only got gearings on the building on, on buildings. You know, we've got no other consumer debt, nothing else. So we're not squeezed by it. Okay, good. Well, congratulations. That's years of hard work that has uh, got you. You say it's lucky, but I don't think it's lucky. You make your own luck. Talking about food, Wayne, there's a, a sort of a mini chain of giant shops called Sligro in the Netherlands, and they are exclusively servicing the hospitality industry, bars, restaurants, yep. 
hotels. Well, that's like Bitcorp. And so forth. But these, not, not quite, these, but these are shops. Bitcoin, yeah. yeah, but these are shops. And and you can't yeah. go there unless you've got a trade card. And lucky enough, yeah, I... It's like the old I, macro used to be. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I know this chap and he gave me a card. And I, you go there. It's like an Aladdin's cave, Wayne, for someone like you who loves food. And I could spend two, three hours there going through all the aisles and everything. The most incredible vegetables, you know, 15 types of potatoes, wonderful onions imported from France and all those sort of things that are sweeter than any other onion, all that sort of thing. But I was particularly looking for, for prawns because the prawns I've had in the past have yeah. been from, I don't want to be disparaging about Bangladeshi prawns, but uh, they weren't particularly good. And I, they'd probably been frozen for about two years or something. And I found these yeah. European, uh, French prawns, actually, black tiger prawns. I took them home. And it's a very simple recipe from a book, a cookbook of mine called My Barcelona Kitchen. And you just take the prawns and you... Grill them on either side for two and a half minutes. Big things, lovely. And while they're grilling, you get a mortar and pestle and you get a half a handful of flat leaf parsley, two or three cloves of garlic, smash that all up into a pulp with some olive oil. And then when the prawns are cooked, you mix the whole lot up together. And it sounds very simple and boring, but actually it was absolutely fantastic. That sounds delicious. I miss prawns. Have you got any food stories for us? Yes, you just reminded me of something. Okay. I've actually got a... A, a good old-fashioned prawn story. Now, I've probably told this one already. Tell again. But on Monday, mm. this last Monday, um, a work friend of mine, a good friend of mine, we just decided it's time to go to the Honey Rock Motel and eat prawns. In the south? Well, yeah, in the, in the, actually in the west. It's, oh. it's here in Randburg in Kaya Sands. It's off Bayers Nordia, mm. near Honeydew. Uh, and we went there at about half past two in the afternoon, and we sat down, and it was quite a warm day, so we sat outside in the sun, and we had good old-fashioned garlic prawns for starters. Lovely. Now, you, you can't even buy garlic prawns anymore. You know, 20 years ago, wherever you went... You could, uh, not garlic prawns, garlic snails. Yep. Wherever you went, you could get garlic snails. So, I mean, Spurs stopped serving garlic snails about 10 years ago. That's a tragedy. Uh, it is a tragedy. It's a travesty. But, but, but the Honey Rock Motel still serves garlic snails. So we had garlic snails and then we had their queen prawn platter, mm. one each. Lovely prawns grilled with some chips and some rice on the side. And the most delicious, uh, obviously garlic sauce, but then they got like a, 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 a butter parsley type sauce, which is just, you know, as like you were describing how you cooked your prawns. And I must say, that was really, really nice. And then, of course, the real winner. At the Honey Rock is their peri-peri sauce is the best I have ever eaten. Hmm. I mean, I buy by the liter. And surprisingly enough, it's not that hot. It's not killer hot. So that's not what, what gets me, what, what I enjoy about it, is it's really got flavor. So you have like one prawn with garlic, one prawn with uh, lemon butter parsley sauce, and then you have two prawns with the, with the peri-peri, and you just put it on and it is truly delicious and we sat outside but now another thing I found very interesting I mean the Honey Rock I think it's a fantastic place 
but they haven't spent capital expenditure there for many a decade. Yes. You know, they haven't. I mean, the, the taste is in reasonable, Nick, but they haven't put in <laughs> any capex there for a long time. And yet, surprisingly enough, in the last, call it two months or so, there's this new craze that has hit South Africa. It's not going to hit me, and it's called paddle. It's like tennis, but you play with the paddle on a tennis court and you can bounce the ball off the walls. And it has gone crazy in South Africa. This It's a game called paddle. Mm, I've heard of it. And the Honey Rock the honey rock has built two paddle courts there. Ah, so and what are they trying to people, do? Attract people that paddle and then they... Yeah, uh, so we spoke to so the waiter. So they paddle and then they pull. The waiter said, hmm. yeah, the waiter said, we haven't been this busy for the last... She couldn't even remember how many years. Hmm. Because now they've got 20, 30, 40 people there every weekend, Saturdays and Sundays, it's packed. And it seems to be quite a few in the afternoons as well during the week. And the thing with paddle is that you you have a few drinks and a few snacks while you're playing. You know, the people sitting on the side of the court waiting to play, they have a couple of drinks and snacks. So they say they're doing so well. They, they're actually benefiting hugely off this paddle. And the German club just off Wittkoppen, they've also got paddle courts there. They're also thriving. So this uh, this whole paddle thing has taken off quite uh, substantially. I mean, as I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go and do it. But of course you're not. Yeah. It's actually quite, it's actually quite, a, quite a, an, a, 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 an occurrence here. It's quite, a, it's quite a, a, a fad in South Africa. I mean, the, the fact that the Honey Rock would spend capex to do two paddle courts yeah, that tells you that. Hmm. Well, you did say the word fat, so it yeah, might, but I mean, it it might, might last two, three, four years. Mm. You know. So you go there, and it's packed with paddlers, and then they have the prawns. It's the three P's. And then they have the prawns and a couple of yeah, perfect paddled yeah. prawns and perfect and at, at the honey rock. But I must admit, you know, people who do listen to into this podcast in the sort of greater Johannesburg area, yes, uh, don't. Don't be concerned about the honey rock when you drive past it. Because uh, it looks a bit dilapidated, drive, does it? When, when you drive past it, uh, it, it doesn't look enticing. And it looks a, a, a little bit uh, unwelcome or a little bit sort of run down in that. Yeah. But I can assure every person who listens to it, you go in there, you will be surprised how nice it is. In other words, it's just nice mm. and how great the food is. Very good. Honest, good, honest stuff. Fantastic, Wayne. Thank you very much for yep. that. Next, I shall uh, pass that on to my Johannesburg associates. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.